host of the Witwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about money. So right now, there's a lot going on, a lot going on with inflation, with getting work, this or that, food, you know, they're saying food shortages are coming, they're saying shortages of employees, trying to find people to work is tough. We already live in a society where 60%, 64% of people live paycheck to paycheck, and it could get worse. So what do we do to protect ourselves from making that happen? So Joe, what are your thoughts around that? How do you start to control your own economy? How do you start to start making the right steps, heading in the right direction? Because chances are this economy could get worse for us. Oh, it definitely will. Because when you print so much money in one year, more money than I think they've ever printed before, uh, it's going to cause a lot of issues. And we're just starting to see the beginning of those issues. Um, so one thing I would say is focus on what you can control. It's easy to look at the news, look at the media, look at the politicians and say, hey, they, they're not doing it right, so I can't have my money or I can't get my money right. But no, focus on what you can do. And there's a good chance that you can you know, get your finances together build a plan and be financially successful, independent, and live comfortably. So, Michael, there's something that I know you wanted to touch on today called the cash flow coordinate. So can you explain a little to everybody what exactly that is and uh, kind of yeah. each sector on how it works? Definitely. So the cash flow quadrant. So if you've ever read any of uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he wrote another one called the cash flow quadrant, which I really like to use as an example because – now, if you're driving, don't do this, but if you're sitting at home, draw four boxes or draw a box, draw a vertical line and a horizontal line in that box. You're going to have four boxes, essentially. On the left side, top left corner, we have, we put an E, bottom left corner, S, bottom right corner, B, bottom right corner, I. Now, what each of these stand for, the E in the top left, the goal is here on the left side, we're trying to get to the right side. So as if in the E, that stands for employee. That means we have a job. If I'm an employee of a company... And keep this in mind, I have a job. Now, there's nothing wrong. People like tend to discount, like, I need to be my own business. I need to, I can't be an employee. If you're an employee, you're making somebody else wealthy. You can make a ton of money as an employee. And you can build massive wealth as an employee. Look at Steve Ballmer. You know, he ran Microsoft for a long time, $50 billion net worth. You can make, like, he was an employee. You can make a lot of money as an employee. So if you have that mindset, you need to forget it. You need to figure out how you start making more money as an employee. Now, the challenge with being an employee, here's the challenge, is that one, you have a job, meaning if you don't show up for that job, you're not getting paid. Do you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, I mean, you're basically just trading your time for money, which trading is... Trading time for money, exactly. As an employee, you're trading time for money. The other biggest challenge we have with being an employee is if I'm in a top, top tax bracket, I pay the most income tax. So state, federal, you could be somewhere close to 50% of my money. I don't even get to see it. If I get a W-2, I'm a W-2 employee, I get paid on payday, the government takes my money first, they give me what's left over. That's an, that's an issue. So if we move down to the bottom left, S, self-employed. So self-employed, now we own a job. Before I had a job, now I own a job. Now keep this in mind, over 80% of small businesses break even or lose money, which is crazy to think about like they'd be better off being an employee but some people just have the mindset that they want to create their own you know they want to have their own business this or that and they're not doing an effective job of running it now the challenge with this from a tax perspective one you own a job meaning that if you don't have employees and you don't figure out how to scale if you're still trading time for money because if you don't show up and that's where most small businesses never hire more than a couple of employees so they're not going to get their business to a point where it can run itself 
So now the other challenge from a tax perspective as well is if I'm in the top tax bracket, say I'm state and federal, I'm giving away 50 and I have to pay self-employment tax, I could be close to 60% of my income going to taxes if I'm not smart about it and I don't have the right accountants. So the goal is how do we get to the right side? Now B stands for business. Now if I have a business and I'm running a business, meaning that now I own a system, right? Now I'm not necessarily trading my time for money. I have a system and business and employees that are going to work and creating money for me, right? Where this is, when you have a business, that's where you don't have to show up and your business continues to run. That's the way you have to look at it. For self-employed people or small business owners, think about this. If you don't show up for work today, does your business run? Does your business open? Does your business function? Is your business making money? If the answer is no, you're not necessarily a business owner. You're a self-employed person that owns a job. So how do we get into owning a business? Now, I can own a business and own a system and start hiring tons of employees, have hundreds of employees. And because of that, the government's going to give me a tax break where I'll pay a corporate tax from around 20 21%, something like that. Challenge here, though, is this isn't for everybody. Not everybody wants to go get hundreds of employees and build a massive business, and, and I get that. So if we move down, we have an I, which is an investor. I can become an investor of real estate, and because of that, I can almost pay no income tax. So I can offset my income tax, and this is where money starts to work for you. When you become an investor, it's where money starts to work for you. You're taking money that you're earning, putting it into passive into assets that can pay you passively through things like cost segregation and different vehicles like that from depreciating properties. You can essentially, if you do this correctly, offset the bulk of your income, if not all of it, every single year. That's where we want to get, and this is what's possible for everybody, and it has the best tax benefit. So the goal is, if you look at the IRS or the government, they incentivize people on two things. Creating jobs, which is what a business owner would do, and providing affordable housing. We can all, though, take our money from an employee or from a self-employed person, and this is what I often tell people is, our goal on the left side of this quadrant is how do we make the most money possible and not increase our lifestyle yet, because that's what tends to happen. Wouldn't you agree, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And you have people, especially my age, because I'm in my early 20s, there's a lot of people, especially in their 20s and 30s, that want to keep up with the Joneses, or uh, you hear the terminology smoke and mirrors, where... They want to try to impress anybody, but who are they trying to impress when, you know, you have all this nice stuff and nice things, but you don't have any money in your bank and you have no assets that are going to work for you, you know, and get you on that right side of the coordinate like you talked about. Exactly. And that's the key. So we're not worried about right now. My goal in the beginning was increase income. I don't care about lifestyle yet. I don't need fancy cars yet. I don't need any of that. I need to increase income so I can roll it into real estate that can start paying me passively. My goal, by definition, we always talk about the definition of wealth is based essentially your passive income needs to exceed your expenses. Once you get to that level from a financial standpoint, you can live forever. So how do I, as an employee or a self-employed person, take the money I'm making and utilize it by investing it in real estate to, one, start generating passive income for myself, and two, offset my tax liabilities? Because we know in business, our greatest expense often is taxes, so how can we be start to become financially savvy? There's some great books out there too, like um, uh, Tax-Free Wealth, Tom Wheelwright. He has a podcast, uh, WealthAbility. There are a lot of just free resources out there to start taking ideas to your accountant to then cost segregation. is a massive one that most people don't talk about. So that's where you can fully depreciate properties rather than depreciating them over 27 and a half years. Different strategies like that that you should be taking to your accountant to ask them about to help offset your tax liabilities. So if we're in the quadrant, we all fall in the left category. We're either employees of a job or we're self-employed. We need to get to the right by either being a business owner or a real estate investor. Every single person here has the ability to go invest in a property today if they wanted to. They could go find down payment money. They can go find financing. 
And this is going to become extremely important, especially moving into the economy that we think we're going to be moving into, because all signs are indicating we're probably going to roll into a recession at the end of this decade, could go into a Great Depression. To your point, Joe, printing trillions and trillions of dollars, that's going to catch up. We're going to have hyperinflation. All of that stuff's going to happen. We're already seeing things like cost of, of fuel, cost of food. Things are getting more expensive. I saw something the other day. They said over 50% of Americans making over $100,000 a year can't keep up with their bills. You know, $100,000 is a good income. It's not a ton of money, but it's a good income for a lot of people. It's way over the median average income. And if people are struggling at that income, think what's happening to the people that are making less than that. They're definitely struggling. So now is the time, too. you got to be thinking about what do, I, what do I not need to do from a budget perspective. I don't need to be spending all my money. I don't need flashy cars. I need to figure out how do I make more money and put it into things that can continue to pay me passively month after month after month after month. So I don't fall in the trap of being that person that lives paycheck to paycheck. 64% of people live paycheck to paycheck. Over 80% of small businesses break even or lose money. Like those are big numbers and it shouldn't be that way because it's not that difficult if you have good habits in place and you put your focus in the right areas. So I think that's big what you just said, good habits in place. And I think that's how you can at least start to uh, make that transition from the left side to the right side is number one, put a plan together. And then number two, develop good, strong habits that you can maintain, you know, not just for a month, not just for two months, not just for a year, but pretty much, you know, from now on. And that way it's something that you can scale, mm-hmm. you know, say you're making $10,000 a year right now and you save a hundred dollars a month, you're not going to see, you know, a substantial growth in your savings or your investment opportunity. But then say, you know, the next year you make a hundred thousand dollars, then you start saving a thousand dollars a month or $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month. But figure out some sort of system where you save a certain percentage every single month. And that no, regardless of how much money you make, you're still saving that percentage. Exactly. You know, if you make $1,000 or $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars in one month, you're always going to save, you know, 30%, 40%, whatever it might be. But you have to do it every single time yeah. to really build your account up and then have the access and the opportunities to make those investments. You're absolutely right. It's, 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 it's not enough just to do it every now and then. It ha- you have to be consistent. There's a really good book I read a long time ago, The Richest Man in Babylon. Very easy read, simple book to read. Definitely read it. If you're having trouble building a plan, it's, it's kind of like a fables you know, book, but it basically just talks about two-tenths of all you earn, you save. So 20%. That should be your minimum. Now, if you're if you you know you're in your age, within your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and you haven't been able to save a dime this whole time, which happens to a lot of people, unfortunately, that's where we fall into that. What is it? 97 out of 165 year olds can't write a check for $600. That's a scary number. These people work 40 years of their lives and they can't. They don't have 600 bucks. Like that's scary. It's because they didn't have a plan. So if you're currently not saving any money, maybe you don't have to go to 20% right away. Start with 5%. Hundred bucks comes in, you put five dollars away. Ten thousand dollars comes in, you put five hundred dollars away. Start with a number that you can stay consistent with. For Joe's point, and do that for a period of time, and it becomes it becomes a, a habit. And now you can increase. Now I'm going to go to ten percent. Let's just say for the next six months, I'm going to save five percent of my income. I get in the habit of doing that. All of a sudden, that money starts to accumulate. Now I shift it to ten percent. Then I go to fifteen. Then I get to twenty. 20 is the minimum target. The more you can do, like, what do you do, 30 or 40? Yeah, I typically do 30% minimum. 30%. And I'll usually shoot for 40%. Yeah. And the thing I like about it, too, is it motivates you to increase your income because if you, you know, obviously you don't want to live like shit forever and you want to enjoy your time on earth that you have, you know, especially right now as well. I'm not saying live like a flashy lifestyle or luxurious lifestyle immediately, but it, it, it still gives you room to, you know, do things that you enjoy. If you're saving, you know, 40% of your income, it motivates you, you know, and say you only have $400 left after you do that. 
you can't do a whole lot with you know four hundred dollars, especially in an entire month. So that motivates you to increase your income. So then that way, you know, if you're making ten thousand dollars and you're saving four thousand dollars, you still have six thousand dollars, you know, to utilize for living and for whatever else you want to do. So it's motivating to increase your income because not only do your savings go up, but also you know the amount of money you have to actually live off of. Yeah, exactly. And to your point, yeah, exactly. Like we have nice cars, we like nice stuff, we like taking nice trips, we like doing nice things. And, and we make a good income and we put things into passive income that can start generating money for us. Because if I can get to the point where I'm at the I, when you're at the I and you have your money going to work for you, it's, you're sending your money out and it's bringing you money back every single month, that's the money then you can start to use to get a little more, buy some nicer stuff. Flashy. In your lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Because if I'm a high income earner, let's just say I'm making $500,000 a year as an E or an S, right? One, I've got tax issues there because I'm, I'm paying a lot in taxes if I'm not smart about it. But also, I'm trading my time for money, meaning that if I get hit by a bus and I can't work now for a few months, my income stops. Now, if I'm making $500,000 a year on the left side and I'm taking that money and I'm saving 20 30%, 40% of it and rolling it into passive income like real estate that can pay me passively, and now I've got, let's just say, $20,000 a month coming in every single month from passive income that's paying me. Well, then if, I, if my $500,000 income goes away, I still have $240,000 gross coming in. I can, and if my expenses are called at five grand a month, well, from a financial standpoint, I'm wealthy because my passive income exceeds my expenses. And from an economic standpoint, I can live forever financially because I have enough money coming in every month that I'm not working for. So that's the big miss that most people don't focus on is they don't figure out, they roll it into a 401k, which I would do that too. If your employee has an employer match on a 401k, max that thing out because it's free money from your employer. Do those things, but then also be thinking about how do I increase income and how do I put it into passive income assets that can pay me every single month for the rest of my life. And if you do that, you're going to start to get ahead and you're not going to fall into that category of people that are financially worried when they're in their later part of their age. And I often wonder, I read a book not too long ago, but I, was, I often wonder like, why, why are people so bad with money? And if you think about it, if you look at it up until World War II, all you did, you worked until you died. So you just, that was what you did. You just worked until the day you couldn't work anymore and you died. There was no savings. There was no 401ks. Like all of that stuff hasn't been around for maybe more than like, what, five decades, 50 years or so. The retirement plans and everything like that. It's a relatively new system or thing for a lot of Americans, a lot of people in general. And so that's why I think we have poor financial habits. They don't teach about it in schools. They don't teach about a simple thing. Like if you're making less than $100,000 a year, a Roth IRA. It's simple. If you're in your early 20s, and you put $6,000 a year away, and you put it into an index fund like a Vanguard or a Schwab or something. And again, we're not giving financial advice, just telling you what we've done with our own experience. Put it into an index fund that can get you 10 11%, something like that. Not every year, but annually over the course of a certain period of time. By the time you're 65, you should have around 4 or $5 million in there. Well, that's a good chunk of money. Now, keep in mind, 40 years from now, 4 or $5 million might be worth, I don't know, a million, a million yeah. maybe. Maybe less even, just depending on <laughs> where we go. And you would much rather have that money 40 years from now than not have it. And you're only putting about $240,000 away over 40 years. So you're saving six grand a year. You've, you've saved $240,000. you put it in a Roth IRA. You've got 4 or $5 million tax-free as well. That's the other important thing. That money's accumulating tax-free. That's an easy pillar for everyone to be a multimillionaire. Simple. Everyone can save $6,000 a year, whether they say they think they can or not. If you can't save $6,000 a year, you have to look at a couple of things. What's your lifestyle or you're not making enough income? How do you increase your income to make an extra $6,000 a year to put that away? 
And if you do that and you start getting into habits, to your point, Joe, of having a percentage where every single dollar that comes in is not just going to spending on things that aren't going to make you money, how am I putting a certain percentage, whether it's 5, 10, 15, the goal is to get to a minimum of 20. But if I can start working my way toward that, if I'm not, if, if I can't afford to put 20 away right now, I need to look at what I'm spending my money on and also start thinking about how can I get to 20%. What can I cut out? What don't I need? What am I spending money on that I don't necessarily need? And the more focus I can put on that and start putting my money away and putting my money to work for me, I'm going to get to this I column as fast as possible. For everybody listening here, that should be the goal. How do I become an investor as quickly as possible and start making my money work for me so I can start getting some passive income and create wealth? So, Michael, one question I have for you is I know a lot of people are you know, listening or probably wanting to structure you know, their finances and structure their life so they can get to that side of the I. How do you know when it's the right time to make that transition? That's a good point. So I think there are, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So like my first target would be set an income target. So if I wanted to buy an income property, what do I need for the down payment? How do I, so how much do I need for down payment? How much do I need to set aside to fix the property up if that's needed? How much money do I have to have for a buffer in case a tenant doesn't pay rent or if the roof shot or something happens? So I don't know if there's a specific target. It just depends on what you want. For me back in the day, like I just set targets. One, I wanted to get out of debt as quickly as possible. 104 grand student loans, a bunch of credit cards from college. So how do I get out of debt? So my first step was I wasn't even focused on my investing yet. I was focused on how do I get out of debt? That's all I cared about. And so I just set a target, income targets for what I needed to start getting credit cards paid off, get my student loans paid off. And then I started setting targets for how do I go. At this point, I had rentals too because I did everything backward. But how do I go buy more rentals? So I think it's a matter of what you want because we often talk about too. Most people don't have a plan for their life. They wake up, go to work, go home, go to sleep, and they just let the day kind of run them. Start thinking about what do you want? Like how many rental properties would you like to have? If your goal is to own one this year, how quickly do you want to have it? What does that property target identify what that property looks like? Is it a single family home, a multifamily home? Is it a, a commercial building? Whatever it is. And then start looking at, okay, if I were to buy this today, what from a financial standpoint would it take? Call a lender. Figure out if you're going to get a loan, how much money you need. And so I think for that, it's just it's establishing that plan and knowing what your goals are. I don't think there's like a set number that we need yeah. to have. It's just based on whatever your own goals are and how much money you're going to need to achieve those. But most people will say, I want to buy a property, and they never even take the next step to figure out how much money do I need. Well, I'd like yes. to own real estate. Yeah, my goal is to buy an income property, rental property this year. And then they never go any further than that. So it should be like, I want to buy a four family that can cash flow X. That's going to be a certain price point that requires this down payment. So I know exactly what I need to go buy that four family property. Not just, yeah, this year I hope to buy one. That's mm -hmm. what a lot of people do. Yeah, they, they don't, like you said, they don't talk to a lender. They don't figure out what the numbers are going to be. They don't figure out, hey, I have to have this much for a down payment, mm -hmm. you know, this much for repairs. They never even get that further. They just get to, like you said, tip of the iceberg. I want to buy an yeah. investment property. And then it just turns into hope. And then it never happens. Yeah, it's like so, hopefully one day I have one. Yes, and one thing we see too, um, I, I know with the left side, the left side is still very important, and that's what almost catapults you to the right side. And I think there's a lot of people out there that you know they get to the left side and then automatically they want to shoot immediately to the eye yeah. without increasing their income. There's a lot of people. We even see it on our team here in real estate. We've had a lot of new agents come onto the team, and they say, "Hey, I want to buy an investment property." Well, we asked them, how much have you made in real estate? No, no money or $10,000. Well, you need to increase your income. Yeah. And you even talked about it too, that you want to have some buffer money 
you know, if something goes wrong with that property. But if, but if you're making a substantial amount of income every single month and one of your investments start to, starts to go sour or you need repairs or something happens where you, where you need money, if you have that good flow of income and you're still consistently saving, you'll never really have to worry about right. your investment going south because you'll always have that reserve and you'll always have that income to keep things going. I agree with that because I think so many people get into this and, and we talk about it too. Average millionaire has seven pillars of income. So that different flows of income, it's very important. And it's okay to only have one pillar for an ex for a period of time. But most people that have a lot of different pillars of income didn't start with that. They started with one very strong pillar and then that's what I was talking about. Like let's take for real estate. If you're a real estate agent, you need to go be the best real estate agent possible so you can make the most money possible and then you can start taking that money and put it into other things. Too many people get into it and they're like, they make a little bit of money from real estate or their sales role. They make a little bit, they start buying investment properties, make a little bit here. They try to do something else. I'm going to start this new venture. They make a little bit here. They've spread their time across four or five, six things and they have a little bit of money coming from each and none, not one is a very strong pillar. So the goal is how do I build a strong pillar? And then once I've established that and built it and had some consistency around it, then I can take that money I'm making because I've been saving it and put it into something else that can start paying me passively. Then I can take that and put it into something else. And typically, the more success you have in your role, if you're on the left category as an employer or a self-employed person, the more success and the more good you're doing there, the more opportunities are going to come to you because people like to work with people that are winning and that are getting ahead. So don't worry about it. If you're new to an industry, don't worry about, i got to get my passive income up right away. I need to go become the best, if you're not making a lot of money in your, in, in your current job, I need to go become the best employer, the best salesperson, whatever it is possible so I can increase my income and then start utilizing that income. Before I start increasing my lifestyle, I need to take that money and put it into things that pay me passively. And that's the big miss, though. People start making 100, 200, 300 grand. They buy the fancy cars. They have the $100,000 cars, this or that. Don't do that. Like, I was making a lot of money. And I drove My first nice car was an Altima. Nothing wrong with an Altima. It was a very nice car. But it was nothing extravagant or flashy like a supercar, right? You didn't start with a Maserati. Yeah, yeah, when I started buying Maseratis, it was passive income paying for those things. So I had put my money that I was making from my job and put it into things that paid me passively. And now all of a sudden, once you start getting enough passive income where it doubles what you're going to pay for it. Like, think about that. That should be a target. If I'm going to spend $150,000 on a car, I should have $300,000 a year in passive income. If I'm going to spend $300,000 on a car, I need to have $600,000 in passive income. So if I start looking at targets like that, that helps me then to know that, yes, eventually I'm going to get these things that I want and these fancy things that don't, that don't make me any money. And I'm not going to pay for it from my earned income. I'm going to pay for my, for my money that's working for me. 100%. And I think to invest right now is more important than it's ever been. Because if you look at the most recent inflation numbers, it's hovering just above 7% inflation. So if you're literally just say like like we talked about, it's great to save money because you want to hit that target where you can put that money somewhere to work for you. But if you're literally just putting your money in a savings account and letting it sit there, you're losing 7% right now. Yeah. Exactly. Which is huge. Your, your yeah. money is just rotting away versus you put it into an income property. And we've talked about this before with some of these rentals, you can get an annual return with your initial investment of north of 50% in some mm -hmm. cases. Yeah. So you need to put your money to work for you because if you just let it sit, it, it's going to decay and you're going to lose a lot more money than you yeah. think. You can make high returns on your cash on cash return. So it's, it's very possible. It's just knowing how to structure deals, knowing how to find it, knowing how to do it, knowing how to... You know, all the steps of it, but it's extremely doable. And there's a lot of information out there on how to do all of this stuff. And to your point, yeah, don't just sit on cash. And 
We need to start banking money to start putting it into things that can pay us passively. And here's the other thing. Don't wait for the market to crash because everyone always says that. Think about the people that were weighted last year that said, I'm going to wait for the market to crash. Well, now home values are higher than they were last year by 8%, depending on areas. It's just, you know, just call it 7 8% across the country. And what else happened? Interest rates are way up. Yep. So if we waited, I could have got a 2.5% note, note last year. Now I'm at 5 So don't wait because the market – is it going to crash? Who knows? If you look at defaults, notice the defaults for home buyers or, or sellers, excuse me, for homeowners is at an all-time low. People that were in all that COVID forbearance are getting caught up. And even if they did fall behind, they could just put their homes on the market. They have enough equity in it now to sell it. So everyone waiting for a market crash, I don't know. Is it coming? It could be 10 years from now. Exactly. And the thing too about this I at the very bottom, it's long term. So even if you buy a house, you know, today the market crashes tomorrow. So what? It's a long term game. You're you know, exactly. if you get if you the deal makes sense up front, then it will make sense forever because yeah. it's just about what your initial investment is, what's your return gonna be per month, and you know, can you hit your financial goal, your passive income goal? And you know, if you buy a two hundred thousand dollar house tomorrow, the market crashes a month from now and it's worth one fifty if your goal is to hold on to it forever, and if you talk about depreciating the property, mm-hmm. you pretty much have to hold on it for a tever if you want to avoid taxes completely, right. then who cares yeah, if exactly. what it's worth? Yeah. Because it's all about the income that you're generating from that home. Yeah, that's where people lose sight of it. They're like, if I buy it in the market crashes, yeah, to your point, it doesn't matter. You know, If you're going to buy a home to live in it and you're planning on selling next year, then you probably shouldn't buy a house. But if you're buying a house and you're living for seven or ten years, by the time you go to sell it, even if the market did crash in a year, two years, three years from now, the market's going to correct itself by then. And to your point, from an income-producing pr- property, it doesn't matter because you're going to sit on these things forever. You want to hold these properties forever. So don't be worried about, oh, I'm going to wait for the market to crash. You can't time the market either. But know that if I start buying right now and I have a good system of saving and putting money away and I'm increasing my income, a year, two years, three years from now, if the market did crash, well, great. You're going to be in a better position because you've got other property you could go borrow against if you wanted to. You've got more cash that you've been banking. And then you can start buying more properties. And you've got a system built already so you're not starting from scratch when the market does crash. Start now. Start putting these, these steps in place so you can start creating some wealth. That's awesome. So, yeah, I think this is a great way, especially right now. Like you said, heading into the recession, which we know it's going to come. It has to come eventually. It will. We've, yeah. we've been on the high road for so long that it's all going to fall out. Who knows mm-hmm. if it's tomorrow? Who knows if it's five, ten years from now? It's going to happen. So it's best to you know protect yourself from the outside world. And build a strong financial foundation. It's coming. I mean, it's going to come. And that's when it does happen. People are going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't see it coming. Well, it's going to come. We know that these things happen in cycles. And so protect yourself now. Start making as much money as you can. Start putting as much money as way. Start putting as much money into passive income as you can. To Start financially setting yourself up so you don't feel the pressure of a recession. If gas goes to $7 a gallon, $8 a gallon, if you're making enough money, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect you. So start figuring out how do I increase my income. How do I get to the right side of the quadrant and start getting some passive income so I can start generating some wealth and be okay when this recession does come? That's all we got. Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. Take care, guys.